A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I won't let my body outweigh. Outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I get strong. I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the new while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Did you and I outweigh? Happy Saturday, Outweigh fam. Amy here, and I am with our new resident guest host. Like we have a residency, you know, like they do in Vegas at the hotels. <laughs> like, like Adele was supposed to have her residency at, I think like Caesars Palace. And then I don't know if she had to pull out of that, but you know, Garth Brooks has residencies, George Strait's done some, and now we have Michelle Pilipich here. Dude, this one's not canceled. <laughs> yeah, the Outway residency. Yes, not canceled. We are good to go. And she will be here with me the next four Saturdays. Now, Michelle, this is your show. I'm going to hand it over to you for today's topic, and then we'll just engage in conversation around that. But we are so honored to have you here. And maybe you've been on the podcast before, but for new listeners, just introduce who you are, your credentials, and why you're passionate about Outweigh. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, my name is Michelle Pilipich. I'm a registered dietitian and a certified personal trainer. Um, I primarily work with clients who are struggling with eating disorders, working on eating disorder recovery. Um, so I work in a virtual private practice, and I also see anyone who wants to improve their health and wellness from an intuitive eating 
point of view. So that's the short version of, of what I do. Well, and you mentioned intuitive eating, which we're going to touch on that today and yeah. kind of diet culture versus intuitive eating. And then, you know, we see all these things online, especially through Instagram. Well, that's where I get a lot of my content. And then I have friends that send me things from TikTok, which I want to spend more time there because Lisa or someone in Lisa's family said that TikTok is the last happy place on the internet. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. TikTok is where I go when I want social media without the annoying parts. It's pure hilarious, at least my feed. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. Your, your algorithm is full of the funny stuff. So, okay. Tell us what we're talking about today. Yeah. So, I mean, it actually is interesting talking about my personal algorithm because I am in such a bubble on Instagram of the intuitive eating world and the non-diet space and all the things that I believe in and how I work that I forget that it's kind of a, a new novel thing to a lot of people because diet culture is so strong. And I see both camps, both camps, including intuitive eating, which I very much am a part of going so far to the extremes in terms of their messaging, especially online. And I hear from clients and peers that kind of both become inaccessible because the diet culture group is saying, you know, go on this 30 day cleanse elimination diet or whatever, like crazy thing. That's not going to actually help you feel better and healthier and be sustainable. But then sometimes intuitive eating. And I talked about this a little bit with Lisa about exercise. Sometimes that camp can skirt around the health topics so much that people who want to genuinely be healthier, feel better. Maybe they need to improve their A1C or cholesterol or something also get scared of intuitive eating thinking, well, that's just totally giving up on health. And that's not true. I can see where there is the confusion as a, this is not my profession. I'm mm -hmm. someone who has been a part of both worlds and spent many of my like teenage years and adult life immersed in diet culture and trying every diet out there known to man. And then as I entered into this space, you're correct in saying it is very new for a lot of people. It's still foreign to some people where they're like, oh, this is the first account I've ever followed like this. It's like a foreign language. You're learning a new language. And then it is. You, when you don't understand it, <laughs> that's where there can be a misunderstanding because it's kind of like you just like think you know a little bit of Spanish and then you might have a conversation with someone that's fluent and then you're like, wait, what <laughs> did you just say? Right. <laughs> and because it gets more advanced as you move forward. And so I think where the messaging gets caught up or where people get caught up in the messaging is that a lot of people online focus on those first steps where yes, it is about rejecting diet culture and giving yourself permission for all foods. And it's that temporary phase of yes, eating more of the sweets or whatever it is you've been restricting. And then the long-term goal is still to feel your best and prioritize your health. And so things can be kind of maybe abnormal compared to what they'll be long-term when you first start. And that can drive people away, or it can leave professionals never talking about the long term because that can seem unattainable. It's so complex, like how to how to portray it. Because if you talk about, oh, but you can still prioritize nutrition, then people might stay stuck in the diets if they're only thinking about nutrition. I think that some of the stuff that's posted online too is to get more views at times or get shares and likes and comments and to kind of have a like a a wow factor to it like oh right it, without maybe explaining the bigger picture so since we do have yeah. a little bit of time here how would you explain the bigger picture 
if say you were to click on an account where it is a registered dietitian and they do mean well and it it is helpful information but you kind of walk away thinking like wait what I can just eat like cookies all day long if I want to and that's not what people are saying but again it's understanding the whole language and when it's like you're trying to shut the door on diet culture it can seem like two extremes of like don't tell someone they can't have French fries. You can have French fries, but then you might hear it as, so I can have French fries all day long. <laughs> right. And then, oh, well, I'm still going to feel bad because that doesn't feel good either. <laughs> yeah. It's like this yeah. sweet spot of knowing that, yes, the goal long-term is understanding, okay, my body still needs nutrients and I need to learn yeah. how to care for it. You know, what I tell people, especially the clients I work with, I think that many of them are surprised that I even entertain the conversation of weight when it's brought up in session. But I think it's important to talk about because I can't think of anyone who's like never thinking about it. And I always say, you know, I'm not going to help you go on a restrictive diet to lose weight and focus on intentional weight loss in a hypothetical world. Let's say we were talking about you, my client losing weight. I wouldn't change anything I was saying. Because if your body's at a size it doesn't want to be at, you don't have to intentionally try to change anything. If you big picture want to change your health, then it's going to be the same behaviors as big picture moving towards intuitive eating, meaning, you know, eating a wide variety of foods, allowing yourself everything and tuning into your, how your body feels so that you're naturally practicing moderation. It's going to be moving and exercising in a way that feels good and is sustainable balancing stress, drinking enough water, sleeping enough, all these big picture things. And the people who are in the diet culture world, well, I was going to say, and doing it ethically, but I don't think diet culture is ethical. So maybe that's a contradiction, but somebody who has less of an intuitive focus, but is really focused on health, they're not going to be selling you those wild ideas that are kind of the clickbait things. They're going to be doing the basics that we kind of already know. Well, and then I think too, diet culture wants to sell you an image mm -hmm. of like, this is the ideal, what you should be striving for. Mm -hmm. And what we have to erase is there's all different types of bodies. And you said it yourself, yeah. if your body isn't, I don't know if you use the word suppose, I want to quote you correctly, but if your body's not meant to be that size, mm -hmm. then you'll move towards where maybe your body would like to be. I, I guess it's just kind of this exception that all bodies are different and one size isn't better or worse than the other. Yeah. And I also talk about intuitive eating as this shift from external to internal. And so when you really look at focusing on how you feel internally rather than, okay, the goal of pursuing health is to get to X size. But if it's the goal of pursuing my health is to feel a certain way internally, then you're going to naturally moderate behaviors and prioritize the things that feel good, which is going to be a wide variety of things. And it's going to be naturally intuitive. So that focus on what feels right even if it doesn't look quote unquote right, according to the magazines. I don't like calling out particular companies, but there are diets out there that are disguised as yes. intuitive eating. And I see ads all the time. <laughs> I know now because I'm paying attention, but if I wasn't, I would say one or two years ago, I would have signed up for one of these programs and right. it would have left me probably feeling 
the same way all the other diets did. But the way they market it, it's almost like they know that this whole intuitive eating thing and you know, even a lot of registered dietitians, like people are making a shift. They're seeing the shift. So they're Mm -hmm. following with it and they're smart. So they're marketing in a way where it's not a diet. If you Google intuitive eating, there are plenty of these diet plans that pop up, which is scary. So the things that I caution people to look for are the kind of extremes, the all or nothing language. So anything that is telling you to cut something out entirely, like you can't eat any XYZ food, that's always a red flag. If it's giving you a particular timeline, that's a red flag. And I would even say that like tracking food is kind of a red flag also with the caveat, like I I do have some clients track their food, but it's on an eating disorder recovery specific app and it's short-term temporary just for me to get to know their patterns. Question on that, because I have not heard of a eating disorder specific food tracking app. So can you expand on that in case that's something someone might be interested in? Sure. So I don't know if it exists to like use on your own without working with a professional, but it's called recovery record. And it's an app that is, I hate to compare anything to my fitness pal, but it's logging your food. It doesn't give you calorie counts. It doesn't show any sort of metrics. Um, It allows you to upload pictures and jot down what you ate as well as any thoughts and feelings and urges that came up and log your hunger and fullness. So it's more geared towards getting in touch with like everything that goes on surrounding the food. And so why as a registered dietitian, or why would you have a client use a tool like that? Good question. I like to have people do it in the beginning when I'm just getting to know someone so that our session time isn't spent just going over, okay, what did you eat and kind of wasting time, but I can look back and see their patterns for the week, as well as having them jot down hunger and fullness to keep track of that and see, okay, what level are you eating to? How are you actually feeling with these different meals and is it enough? Are you portioning yourself enough food? And then noting their thoughts as well is really helpful because sometimes you just don't remember that a particular meal was super triggering or made you really stressed, or you were worried about X, Y, Z while you were eating with these people. So having those notes just gives us a lot to process and talk through in session. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So I love traveling and coming home to my bed because it's comfy and familiar. I love crawling into it. Well, what if you could take your bed on the road with you so that way you got good night's sleep while you're on a trip? And it's not your entire bed, but at least your bedding, which is the best part. Let me introduce you to Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding. Now, Cozy Earth is travel-friendly and hassle-free, and the bedding comes in these adorable totes, which makes it really easy for you to take it on trips with you. They also have really amazing loungewear, so if you're on a long flight, you can stay cool and comfy with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, and it'll add a touch of style to your travel ensemble as well. So whether you're exploring stuff near or far, take a little bit of home with you. Cozy Earth has everything you need to turn every moment into pure bliss. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code OUTWAY at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know that we sent you after you check out. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. 
Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. So tracking food might be a big red flag. And obviously, I'll just say this too. If you're listening to Outweigh, we're speaking to anybody that has possible disordered behavior around food or has has had an eating disorder. Because I do have friends that they use tracking apps, but they Mm -hmm. don't have an unhealthy relationship with food or their body. They are genuinely curious about the science of their body. And like, no, they don't. They don't have an issue with it, but they like the numbers and looking at the protein and the fascination behind their, you know, blood sugar level, their mm-hmm. muscle cut, like they draw their blood and they're like, oh, look at this, like the the biohacking type of behavior. Yeah. And there's so much out there for that. Yeah. And so intentions really matter. Like if you're going to be unaffected, I was talking to a dietitian friend about this right after the holidays saying how, you know, I don't own a scale, but my in my parents' home, there's a scale. And I was like, yeah, whenever I go home, like I'll stand on the scale and I don't even think about it afterward. I don't, I couldn't tell you what the number was last time I weighed myself. Cause I just, I don't know. I'm like, oh, it's just kind of whatever. And she was like, yeah, oh my gosh. If people knew that a dietitian looked at their weight, it would be like tabloid news scandal, <laughs> but it's about how you react. Right. Yeah. And so being able to see, so I even have some clients who I'll have them log their food and 
I always say, you know, if you don't want to log because it stresses you out to look at what you ate, I think that kind of says something and it's worth looking into. doesn't mean that you need to log your food, but it's something to talk about just the stress around it. So in terms of food logging being a red flag for diets, I would say if it's logging that is metric based or rules based and kind of used to determine if you're following the rules of the plan. So things like points, or I've seen the sort of traffic light system of like red, yellow, green foods. And so if you're logging in order to like stay accountable to rules, that is very diety. So do you say there's rules with intuitive eating? No. So there are 10 principles of intuitive eating, the actual framework, and people can Google those. I won't go through all of them. You know, when I'm helping clients get there, I give guidelines in the beginning in terms of how to build a plate and make sure that you're covering your bases nutritionally, because, you know, like we're saying, there's a middle ground here between intuitive eating and diets. Like, yes, there are things that we need from our food to be nourished, healthy human beings. So I like to give guidelines and parameters of like what's enough and what does balance look like and how can you incorporate variety, how often to eat, um, things like that. And I always say it is not going to happen hundred percent of the time. And if you're doing most of the things that, you know, feel good most of the time, then that's kind of where intuitive eating tends to fall. And that's what feels good. Yeah. I never trusted myself and it took me a long time to even honestly trust when I really was full or when I really was hungry because I spent so much time in a binge restrict environment. Mm-hmm. Like my body just didn't even know. But then once I started to practice the principles of intuitive eating, I was able to finally have a distinction and know, oh, this is full. I can stop now and it's okay. Like I can stop. If I get hungry in a little bit, I can eat more. Yeah. You know, Lisa and I jokes, we always use Oreos or I always (laughs) come somehow go back to Oreos because that was a big no-no in my pantry. And then now I'm recording this at my house right now. And downstairs I have Oreos and they have been there for two weeks. There may be some days where I have more than others. And there may be some days where I don't have any, but it used to be that I would freak out if they were there and I would either eat them all or I would have to just throw them away. Right. Right. And that's the cycle of extremes. Again, I like to share if I am in this place now and you're feeling like, oh, I could never do that or trust myself with these foods and then trust that I would still take care of myself and have greens and proteins Mm -hmm. and other fruits and nutrients and fats that my body needs, I am walking proof that that can happen. Yeah. And I've seen plenty, plenty more people that that happens. Yeah. And so, you know, also it's good to know, it's helpful for people to know that there's an in-between, right? Like, yes, you were, you've been at both sides and you had a process of getting there where like, maybe you bought the Oreos once a month and it was like getting better, but not quite there yet where you could have them all the time. And so it's something that takes time and practice and quote unquote, slipping up and coming back because that's normal. And and that's, what's also different from the diets, like normalizing the challenge and the fact that there is no sticking to something a hundred percent because that's not how human bodies are made. If someone were to just be curious listening right now of like, when you talk about building a plate, I mean, and everybody's situation is different, but if there was like in your mind, an ideal plate to be built, what would be on it for you? Oh, for me personally? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll just give yours as an example because you've, you know how to take 
care of what your body needs. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, you would help them build a plate. So what does that look like? Yes. So, I mean, the things that I think about are the three macronutrients, protein, carbon, fat, all three are super important. We need all of them. Typically we need more carbs than proteins and fats and then fiber, which would be a fruit or vegetable is like the optional fourth component there. So, you know, as an example for myself, I'm someone who is okay with eating the same thing days in a row. I like leftovers. I like whatever, like my breakfast most days is oatmeal. Oats are carbs. Um, I always put peanut butter, almond butter or something as well as like chia seeds, whatever seeds I have on hand, that's giving me fat. I know that I just won't be full if I don't have the protein in it, in it also. So I love the texture of protein powder in oatmeal. I think it's really good. So I do that. And then fiber, I add whatever like frozen fruit that I have on hand or bananas or whatever it is. So that's just an example, but those are the, the main components that I think of combining them in any way you can. And no, looking at the big picture of the day. So knowing that like, okay, if today's a day where I'm craving pasta for dinner and I don't feel like putting meatballs with it, so it doesn't have a distinct protein source, that's okay. I had protein at my other meals. Like it's going to even out and be enough. And tomorrow I'll have a different dinner. That's going to have maybe chicken or something. There was so many days in my life where if I didn't have something green, I thought I had ruined my life and the world was ending. But mm -hmm. now I have days where I don't have anything green and I, it doesn't stress me out and I'm able to go to bed, but then I know yeah. that the next day, you know what, I'm going to try to make my favorite smoothie and add a few extra greens to it because, exactly. oh yeah, I didn't have greens yesterday. Or I might go a few days with no greens, but I'll figure out a way <laughs> to pay attention yeah. and work it back in. Like, I think if you're feeling like a drastic, like, oh no, and life is over because some diet rule was broken, that's when it's we need to pay attention. Right. And that's the difference with like the intentions and kind of being able to look at things and not be so thrown off by it. And so you get to that place where it becomes intuitive. You just know how you feel when you're needing some of that fiber variety, you know, the greens or whatever it may be. What do you think about the videos that some people put up that are what I eat in a day videos? Oh, I mean, they affect everyone differently. You know, I can look at those and say like, oh, there's a new lunch idea. Maybe that's helpful. I think they're very dangerous because a lot of people look to those as the law and they tend to be the, you know, influencers who are like going for the very aesthetic, like morning routine, blah, 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 ideal life. And so I think people also have this view of like, oh, if I eat like her, then my whole life will be perfect like hers. And you don't know is that everything that that person is eating in that day? Did they finish everything that they showed in that day? Is that actually what every day looks like, or that's today. And then tomorrow is going to be completely different because maybe today was restrictive and tomorrow they're going to binge. And there's just so much unknown. And for most people, I think it's hard to, to recognize that there is that nuance and that there's a lot creating the bigger picture. And we just look at that one thing and think, okay, like, she has this body and she eats this way. I have to do exactly what's in this like 30 second TikTok video. <laughs> yeah. For me personally, I don't get them at all. Like I'm like, okay, I like them for, like you said, new ideas of what to eat. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure some people are doing them this way, but it should be reframed to be like, Hey, here's a lunch idea. 
<laughs> like, right. or here's a breakfast idea. I get it because I've been asked before, hey, I'd love to see what you eat in a day. So I could see where people see that as, oh, I should put this content out there. I never officially did one. Thank goodness. I did plenty of other disordered behaviors that I passed <laughs> on to a lot of my listeners that I feel bad about now. And I'm like, okay, well, you you learn. <laughs> also, yes. we all have different caloric needs. Mm-hmm. So no matter what your size, okay, well, what's your, also was your activity level that day? Right. Or is your period coming? <laughs> like, yeah. are you stressed out in life? Like what other life circumstances exactly. are quote unquote, on your plate. Like you're saying with, you know, calling out the diets, I don't like to be blamey because you're right. Like these creators get asked for that content. And it's because of this bigger idea. Like we were talking about before, you know, nobody's body is supposed to look exactly like someone else's, but there's that belief that it can. And so I think that's what drives people to even ask for it in the first place is like the, this idea that there is one formula for one image and it's achievable to everyone. And that is just not the case. And like, if people could accept that, if the industry could not sell us the lie, um, it'd be easier to accept. And then there's less demand for it because I, I also get frustrated when I see bloggers sharing their clothing and posting what size they wear. And I've reached out to people actually in like a rage about it and asked them, you know, why can't you just say like, it runs big, it runs small, it runs true to size because some fashion bloggers saying they're like a triple extra small is not really helpful to anyone. Cause like we've never met, I don't even know if you're taller than me or whatever. And I've heard people say that followers ask for that. Okay. That is, I had not thought about that because I do get asked for sizes, but yeah. I should give more information about my body, probably not my weight, but I could give more as to why I'm in a small And then that way people have that reference and it's not so much like, oh, she's in a small. And I always think it's interesting seeing how people share clothes compared to shoes. And they'll say like, oh, I wore my normal size in shoe. Or like I wore, this is a sneaker. I wore my normal sneaker size or I sized up half a size, which I find helpful. Yeah. So it's very interesting. But yeah, like the, the food as well, just the things people ask for with, I guess, the belief of like, magically transforming their life with a green smoothie. It's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like Michelle, we could probably talk about diet culture and intuitive eating for another like 30 minutes, but we'll go ahead and wrap here and you will be back next Saturday. So where can people find you in the meantime? Yeah. So you can find me at Michelle Pillipich nutrition on Instagram. And then my website is michellepillipich.com. And pretty much everything is linked from there. Yeah. And Pillow Pitch is P-I-L-L-E-P-I-C-H. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.